0: There may be some of you that need a miracle, but do not actually know it. You may have a problem in your life that you are completely oblivious to or unaware of. You are living life, but you may not know that you have a huge problem. The Apostle Paul had this issue. He didn't know or didn't realize he had a problem until he had this encounter with the Lord himself. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about a before and after experience. Through Jesus Christ, our lives can in fact change and become different. But there must be an encounter with God, a moment when there is complete surrender to the Lord so regeneration can start to happen. A person can live an illusion their whole life, thinking that everything is fine and that they have nothing to worry about, yet have the greatest problem ever known. It is too great a danger to live the illusion of being right and then find out you've been wrong all along. Today's message is inspired on the book of Acts, chapter 26, verses one to 23. Let us open with a word of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Almighty King of the universe, blessed are you o lord god forever and ever for you are worthy to be praised you are worthy of all things for there is no one like you and no one can do the things that you can o lord heavenly father in the name of jesus i pray humbly that you may please forgive my sins and my wrongs heavenly father please look upon us with your mercy with your grace Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for the love that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ, for this opportunity of salvation, for the eternal life that we can find through him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, help us to understand that we need an encounter with you, an encounter with Almighty God. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage is from the book of Acts, chapter 26, verses 1 to 23. This is the word of the Lord. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Israel, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first. They were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O King, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, "Soul, soul." Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles." Have you ever seen those before and after commercials? Do you notice that they try to show you a dramatic change, showing you that you too could also experience that before and after? The one that is usually quite dramatic is the one with weight loss, where they show you a person at a certain weight and size at the beginning, and then they show you about a couple of months after and how they are half the size they used to be. People try certain things because they want dramatic changes in their lives, especially if they're trying to deal with something that is a problem for them. No obesely overweight person wants to just lose a couple of pounds, especially if they're having health issues. If a person has extreme hair loss, then at a very early age, they don't want to spend thousands of dollars to just get a couple of hairs back. When people want changes to large problems, they generally want life-changing solutions. No one wants to make sacrifices or pay large amounts of money for little adjustments, especially if they're trying to deal with life-threatening or dire situations. An extremely obese person usually needs to lose an incredible amount of weight because of impending health issues. The alcoholic that finally develops health problems needs to stop their drinking altogether so they can somehow slow down whatever disease they have developed. The drug addict needs to stop doing drugs because they either need to regain control over their life or because they also may have gotten sick to the point of being close to passing away. If a person has gotten into some sort of financial problem where they're losing everything they possess, they need some sort of miracle to get back on track. There are many instances where people are dealing with dire situations and they need some sort of miracle to happen. They need a dramatic change. And these dramatic changes may need to be miracles. What is a miracle? Merriam-Webster defines a miracle as such, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. There are many people that have some sort of circumstance or circumstances where they need a miracle. They need something to happen that is beyond their typical control or abilities. I'm sure if I asked you all what kind of miracle you need, I would probably get a variety of answers depending on your situations. Some may need a miracle of healing because you might be experiencing a life-threatening and or ending disease. Some of you may need a financial miracle because you have an overbearing financial problem. Some of you may need a relationship miracle because maybe your marriage is falling apart or you have an estranged son or daughter or you are lonely and cannot find that special someone or have children of your own. And there may be other miracles that some of you need. You are in desperate need of a before and after. There may be some of you that need a miracle but do not actually know it. You may have a problem in your life that you are completely oblivious to or unaware of. You're living life but you may not know that you have a huge problem. The Apostle Paul had this issue. He didn't know or didn't realize he had a problem until he had this encounter with the Lord himself. Before that experience on the road to Damascus, he seemed to have it all under control and life seemed perfectly fine. From what we know, Paul was a person of high social standing. He may have had good financial standing because of that and especially considering what he was doing, which was persecuting Christians. It appears that he was doing it because he was able to either self-finance the campaign or he got paid by the Jewish leaders. But either way, Paul seemed to have his life in order according to him. Nonetheless, Paul was engaging in something that was challenging God himself, and he did not know it. Even though he was a very religious person, he was having a very big problem with the Lord. God himself told them that he was persecuting him through his pursuit of the Christians. Paul had a huge problem, and he didn't even know it. He was unaware. Paul needed a miracle and he didn't even realize it. There are many, many people today. Quite frankly, the vast majority of people in the world need a miracle and have no clue of reality. They are in a dire situation and don't even know it, just like this Paul. They need a serious before and after. I can tell you that all miracles are special, but many will say that a miracle is only special in the eyes of the beholder. What some may see as a miracle, others may see that miracle as a regular occurrence and nothing more. But no matter what your perspective is or what you may think reality is, the greatest miracle is when a soul is regenerated from death to life. The truth is, and what Paul came to understand through his personal encounter with God, was that every single person is dead in their sins without Christ. People may be walking and breathing and laughing and in perfect physical health. But without the forgiveness of sins, their souls are dead. For it is written, Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine, the soul who sins shall die. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 3 that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. This is the truth regarding people who have not been made alive in Christ, These people are dead in their trespasses and sins. They're followers of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, the children of wrath. When a person has not committed their life to Christ, they're ultimately followers of Satan himself. And when a person dies without belonging to Christ, without the complete forgiveness of sins, they die eternally. This is an incredibly terrible position to be in, and the majority of people in the world are in that position and they have no clue. Absolutely no idea that if they die today, right now, they're going to a place that is completely separated from God, where there is no life, no peace, and no light. That is what hell is a place where God does not exist. So, every single person in that position is, in a dire need of a miracle, a complete turnaround, a life-changing before and after experience that only Jesus Christ can give. That's why morality is not necessarily what gets you there. We're not talking about a moral change. Morality never saved anyone. We're talking about a change in heart, a change of life, a transformation that should occur inside out through Christ. This is by far the greatest miracle that can ever happen and the greatest miracle anyone ever needed. Just think about the magnitude of this miracle by comparing it to other things that many consider very important that are also dire. If, for instance, someone is poor, the solution is simple. Someone that has money could just help them pay off their debts or supply their needs. Or if someone has a disease and mankind finds a cure, then that issue can just be taken care of. But How can a person raise the soul of another from death to life, especially considering that they cannot even do it for themselves? Science cannot even begin to understand the mechanics of the spiritual world because for starters, many so-called scientists don't even believe in it. So how can they even deal with something that they are unwilling to accept? That's just the first problem. Technology cannot fix the problems of the soul either, no matter what Microsoft or Apple may try to develop. Mankind cannot cure the soul nor the ailments that sin causes. It's just not possible for us to do it on our own. There must be divine intervention. God must intervene and do something. And so something should happen in a person when they have an encounter with Christ. It may not necessarily be like what happened to Paul on the way to Damascus, where a bright light may overtake them. It may not be a loud and profound voice coming from the heavens. And quite honestly, God speaks to us all around us and all of the time. The Bible says in Romans chapter one, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If we just use our five senses, we can experience God's work. Everything speaks about God's capabilities. Every time you see the sun, That is a sample of God's power. Every time you smell the fragrance of a flower, that is a sample of God's creativity. Every time you taste the sweetness of a fruit, that is God's ingenuity. When you feel the coolness of water on your skin, it is a sample of God's intelligence. When you listen to the whisper of the wind through the trees, you are listening to just a minimal part of his infinite wisdom. All of our senses give us the ability to somehow experience God's magnificence but the greatest revelation of his love is the cross of Jesus Christ. He not only said he loved us, but he showed his incredible love through sacrifice, preparing the way of salvation through the only way possible. The only way an eternal problem can be cured or remedied is through the life of an eternal being. The Bible teaches that there is life in the blood of things. In Leviticus 17:11, it says this, for the life of the flesh is, is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your sins, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. There is life in the blood of things, even in imperfect and temporary things like you and me. So imagine the life that there was and is in the blood of the Son of God. In order to deal with our eternal death problem, then eternal blood had to be shed, the blood of God himself through Jesus Christ. For it is written, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, how can this salvation, this forgiveness of sins happen? How can a person experience this miracle, this incredible before and after that Paul experienced that changed the course of his life? Jesus taught us that there must be repentance and conversion, that a person must be born again. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Being born of the water means repentance and conversion. It's not about just saying that you're sorry. It's about turning away from all your sins fully and completely. And being born again of the Spirit means that you are making Jesus the effective Lord of your life, that you are surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 says this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is a word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so it is necessary to believe, to have faith and through this faith to believe and accept Jesus as Lord. The Bible teaches us that we must die to self to stop living for the flesh. Romans chapter eight, verse 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live galatians chapter 6 verse 8 also says for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life paul was a religious man living for himself because he had never had before an encounter with god he needed an encounter with the lord If you have not experienced this encounter with God, you need it also. You need an encounter with God. When you have an encounter with the Lord, you realize that you are a sinner before a holy God. That's the first thing that happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. He shows you that you have a deep sin problem and that you need forgiveness. You need God. The Holy Spirit helps you have conviction of sin In John chapter 16, verse 8, it says, And when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin, that's you and me, and of righteousness and of judgment. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 6, tells us exactly what happened to Paul, where it says, Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found anyone who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. When Paul said, Who are you, Lord? There was a brokenness, an aha moment, and he immediately acknowledged Jesus as the Lord, the same entity that he was persecuting through the Christians. After you convert to the Lord, there is obedience. There shouldn't be a questioning or a rebellious feeling. There is just an acceptance because for a brief moment, you've had an encounter with God. You felt God's touch somehow in your life. I went through this many, many years ago when I was just a boy. I had an encounter with God through another person because God can speak to other people also that helped me understand that I was a sinner and that I was in desperate need of a savior, that I needed God in my life because I felt alone, empty, and lost. There was no long or deep discussion, just a simple presentation of facts like, do you know what sin is? And I said, yes, all the bad and stupid things that we do. And she said, well, God wants you to turn away from them. And she told me, no matter where I would be, that if I asked God to come into my life, that he would be with me always, that I would never be alone again. I have to tell you, that it was like music to my ears. I was blown away by the fact that God wanted to be with me. And of course, she asked me if I knew what Jesus did for me. And I said, yes, that he died for me on the cross. And finally, she said, I could have God in my heart if I just repented from my sins and if I asked him to come into my heart. That was the extent of our conversation. I prayed together with her, truly repenting from all of my sins. And I did, in fact, ask Jesus to come into my heart. I can tell you that my life has not been the same since that moment. I know that God is in my heart because he did something incredible in me that I could not do for myself. He changed my life through and through. Now, are you made perfect the moment Christ comes to your life? Is there this incredible before and after experience right away? And the answer is no. You are made a new person through obedience as you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you read what happened with Paul, Jesus told him what to do and Paul just went ahead and did it. No reservations, no doubts, no argument or long conversation. Paul just obeyed. The Lord changes the course of your life when you obey his word as a natural consequence of your willingness to change from your sinful ways. The miracle that happens is that God comes to live in your heart by faith when you obey him. John chapter 14, verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. God through the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. That's what happened to Paul. And if you haven't done this yet, it can happen to you also. I can say that this should happen to you. For your own good, because this is the only way to salvation and also the only way you can experience the transformation that God desires for every human being to go through. This is the before and after that you cannot afford to lose out on, the one that can change your life and eternal existence forever. You need to make sure that Christ is truly working in your life so that you don't have this eternal problem when you stand before God's throne someday. You don't want to know you have a problem then, because there is no turning back then. There are no do-overs or give me another chance then. Once you leave this world and enter God's judgment, there is nothing more that can be done. Hebrews 9 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can clean you from all sin, and bring your soul from death to life. He is the only one that can justify you before the Lord God Almighty, the Holy One of the universe. I urge you to solve this problem if you have it today. Don't just think that you are saved. Know through and through that you belong to the Lord and that you are in fact living out His will in your life. If by any chance, you have never heard of Jesus, and you are hearing this concept of salvation for the first time, I can tell you through the authority of the Bible that God loves you and He does want to change your life. He wants to change your destiny from death to eternal life through Jesus Christ. I urge you to make that decision with all of your heart, by faith, repenting and converting from all of your sins and asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Don't leave for tomorrow what must be done today, right now, wherever you are. This is reality. Anything can happen to anyone, anywhere, without exceptions. No one is safe. Safety is an illusion as well as saying that sin does not affect your life in any kind of way. Satan wants you to believe that lie because he is destined to eternal perdition because of his rebellion against God and he wants company. Satan is all evil and because of that, he desires all evil for everyone. You can escape him through Jesus Christ. If by any chance you have heard of Jesus, and you probably even go to church, but you are probably living a religious life similar to Paul, just following a list of do's and don'ts, but not experiencing real life in Christ, I make the same invitation to you. Religion never saved anyone. There was probably no greater religious person than Paul yet he had no eternal life through that. Actually, quite the contrary. Paul thought he was doing the right thing, but yet before the eyes of God, he was completely off course. And actually not only off course, he was going directly against God. You too may be going against God, fighting against the one that has eternal life and eternal forgiveness for you, and you don't even know it. Sometimes when you become so set in your ways, you just don't see the reality that you are living. God loves you and wants you to have a relationship with him, a life-changing before and after. God wants to change everyone's life, but we must do as he says so that the change we all need can truly happen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, loving God, Lord Help us, O oh Lord, to understand if we truly have a relationship with you. If, in fact, we are truly saved through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to understand if we have truly understood that repentance and conversion is vital. It is necessary that we need to repent and convert from all of our sins so that we can, in fact, experience your presence in our lives so that we can be able to follow you and be obedient to what you teach us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us to be able to live a reality. Help us to put away religion and and traditions and whatever else there may be. Help us to live life through you, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father. I pray for those that have yet to make that decision. I pray that they may be able to make that decision now, right now, that they may be able to repent and turn away from all their sins, and that they may believe in Jesus and accept Him as the Lord of their lives, and Heavenly Father, they may be able to surrender to Him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand that surrendering our lives to You is the only way that we can be saved, that we could be able to experience who you are and what you wanna do in our lives. I give you thanks because you truly love us and because you do want for us to live eternally. You want to grant us immortality, Lord God. I give you thanks because you offer us something that this world can never offer us. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.